and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. I have been loving Sunday nights and um, Talia preached an incredible message two weeks ago that um, it's deeper than that. There's something deeper going on. And if you have ears to hear, God is doing more than meets the eye at any given time. We can look at what the obvious need is. And in the case of in Acts that she preached from, Acts 3, I believe it was, the lame man. Um, and Peter and John did not respond to the most obvious need, was, which was silver and gold. I'm begging for food. I'm begging for money. I'm begging for the obvious. And they're like, you know what? Silver and gold we don't have, but we want to give to you your real need, an encounter with Jesus Christ who will heal soul and body, right? Um, And then Jackson last week preached an incredible message out of um, Acts 2, 42 to 48. One of the, I think one of the, there's no best passage in the Bible, but in terms of core values like community and friendship and the gel that the Holy Spirit brings among you know communities, it's amazing. And he preached that God is doing amazing things in this community that we call Horizon Church. Who believes that? And I do believe that there is a relational gel, so to speak, coming on our church, friendships forming, supernatural relationships forming, a greater sense of community. But Jackson said, and rightly so, that on the way to the community, God has got a miracle to do. And in fact, I would go even further to say, like to actually form the full potential of the community, you know, it says in Acts 2, 42 to 48, and He added to the community every day, every single day, implying that what we see is the community is not the community in its fullest form, that there are more people that Jesus wants to add, that there are friends and family members that are a key part of this community that are not here yet, you know. They are the empty seats, so to speak, in this room that we are extending faith to. And maybe you've come for the first time tonight and God has brought you and He wants to encounter you with His love and you can sense it in the room tonight. Um, But you are a part of this community that God wants to add. Well, tonight I want to go a little bit further and actually want to preach from a very simple passage. And it's two very simple stories. And I think sometimes when we read um, the Word of God, the Bible, we can miss just how simple it really is. And yes, there's complex parts, but the stories I'm going to read could have been stories that happened yesterday on the streets of the Sutherland Shire. They could have actually been things that would happen in our world. They're so real and relatable. So I want to ask ask you to listen to them with fresh ears. And it's out of the Gospel of John, John 1. Um, And the context of it is Jesus is beginning His earthly ministry. And His earthly ministry, if you want to see Jesus' ministry, is really Isaiah 61. Preach the good news. God loves you. He cares and He wants to save you. To heal the sick, to heal the brokenhearted. You know, that is what Jesus does in someone's life. And He's still doing that, by the way. And His, and his followers are doing that as well. You know, he, they are healing the brokenhearted in the power of God. They're preaching the good news that God loves you, wants to connect with you and restore you back to Him. And so let me read. Uh, he's gathering a couple of disciples together to kind of be on mission with Him, do, get the job done with Him. And so John 1, 35 to 50 says... The next day, John was back at his post with his two disciples. That's John the Baptist, um, who were watching, uh, sorry, uh, who were watching. He looked up, saw Jesus walking nearby and said, here he is, God's Passover lamb. So he's pointing to Jesus. 
The two disciples heard him and went after Jesus. Jesus looked over his shoulder and said to him, said to them rather, I should wear glasses, sorry. What are you after? <laughs> they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? They're curious and we already know they're spiritual seekers and maybe you're a spiritual seeker tonight. These guys were following John the Baptist, but he wasn't the complete answer. And maybe you've been looking into maybe Eastern religion, maybe you've been looking at Buddhism and maybe you've been looking at Islam. Maybe you have been looking at any number of philosophies and they're not wrong in and of themselves, but they might just be for you tonight a signpost to the much greater truth, which is Jesus Christ. And maybe God has got you exploring these things. Maybe God is is uh, stirring your curiosity because God Himself is initiating a relationship with you. So these guys were spiritually curious and they started following Jesus. And He says, and this is so, it's just so beautiful, come along and see for yourselves. Like, come and hang out. That's all that means. It's not religious. It's not heavy. It's just come and hang out with me. They came, they saw where he was living and ended up staying with him for the day. It was late afternoon when this happened. It would have been about 4pm. Isn't that amazing? They just hung out with him. And Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John's witness and followed Jesus. See, generally when we follow Jesus, someone has pointed us to him. Right here, right now, right where we are, someone points to Jesus. And the first thing he did after finding where Jesus lived was find his own brother, Simon, telling him, we've found the Messiah, that is Christ. He immediately led him to Jesus. Don't you think that's amazing? No gap. You know what? You could come to Jesus tonight, experience His goodness, have an encounter with Him and lead your brother or sister tomorrow to Jesus. You don't need a qualification. You don't need a degree. You don't, you just need an encounter with Jesus and need to share what you've experienced. Jesus took one look up and said, you're John's son, Simon. Now that's loaded. It's like, you've got this whole identity thing going on. You're someone's son. You're someone like you're coming under a label. Maybe tonight you've come with a label. Maybe you're the person who grew up poor. Maybe you're the person who was a bit of a rat bag at school. Maybe you're the person who always struggles with their mental health or whatever label people have given you. But look what Jesus does. From now on, your name is Cephas or Peter, which means rock. You're not reed or weak anymore. You are strong. Not because because you've earned it, because I'm calling you strong. He changes his identity. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. So it's all about places. It's like literally, I'm going to go to Gymere today. I'm going to go to Cronulla. I think I'm going to go over to St Andrews. I think I'm going to go. These are real places, real people right here, right now. There is an immediacy to it. They're not, yes, they've got a historical aspect to them here, but they're real places and real people. So he goes to Galilee. When he got there, he ran, ac he ran across to Philip and said, come follow me. Don't you love that? Jesus runs to Philip. Follow me. I'm like, there's some power there because he followed him, right? <laughs> Philip's uh, hometown was Bethsaida, the same as Andrew and Peter. So it's like the Bible is unpacking the social connections that lead to connections, that lead to pointing to Jesus. There's something about this. And Philip went and found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote of in the law, the one preached by the prophets. It's Jesus, Joseph's son, the one from Nazareth. Now listen to this. Nathanael said, Nazareth, you've got to be kidding. Have you ever shared Jesus with someone and they're like, 
you are smoking something. <laughs> you, are, you are having yourself on. You're just, oh, you're, maybe your parents said um, what got said to me. You're going through a phase, you know? Um, and, you know, maybe one day you'll follow something real or maybe you'll get yourself sorted and you'll get out of this phase, right? And so don't be thrown by the initial response if you're pointing people to Jesus. But Philip said, come see for yourself. I like it. Philip, you've got guts. You've got grit. You've got conviction. He sticks with it. Come see for yourself. Don't criticise. Come and actually see. But then when Jesus saw him coming, he says, there's a real Israelite, not a false bone in his body. Like he's not a fake. He's not a rabbi. He's actually the real deal. And Nathaniel says, where did you get that idea? You don't know me. (laughs) And Jesus answered, and this is so beautiful, one day, long before Philip called you here, I saw you under the fig tree. Can I just say two things? Number one, don't ever doubt that you're seen by God. Don't ever doubt. Jesus says, long before you got an invitation from your mate Philip, I saw you. I see you. Don't ever think. In fact, I feel there are people here tonight and you think, I'm unseen, I'm obscure, I'm hidden and I'm anonymous. And God is saying, I've got your name, number, pin code. I know where you live. I'm sending people to find you. And can I say to believers here, God is working even before you start inviting. (laughs) And more of that in a minute. Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. And so Jesus says, you've become a believer, like you've become a Christian simply because I said, or say, I saw you one day sitting under the fig tree. You haven't seen anything yet, or you ain't seen nothing yet, boy. You see nothing compared to what I'm about to do with your life. Before this is over, you're going to see heaven open and God's angels descending to the Son of Man and ascending again. And if you're familiar with Jacob's ladder, that's kind of an allusion to that. You know, I love this story and I want to actually talk about this tonight and preach a message called Right Where You Are. So if you're taking notes, can you write down right where you are, exactly where you are, right where you are, your suburb, your family, your school, your neighbourhood, right where you are, God wants to move right there. Nowhere else, just there, right? My kids began school a couple of weeks ago. And um, it's kind of an exciting year for us. Harry started kindergarten and um, hallelujah, thank God, five days of schooling. He loves it. It's his time. Um, you know, it's, it's great. I'm, I've loved having him at home, but school's great. Milani is relating um, with, Mil- with her little one, Lacey. Um, but Ollie started year two and um, my boys go to the school that I actually went to when I went to school. They go to a K-12 school and I went there myself. And incidentally, Ollie's year two classroom this year was my year seven roll call classroom in 1990. (laughs) You probably guessed that anyway. And I had this experience and Ollie, Ollie's still at that age where it's actually cool to be like your mum. He actually thinks we are genetically related because um, I have blonde hair just like him and I haven't told him that mine's not natural. <laughs> and so I 
am uh, excited about this classroom and I'm telling him, Ollie, this is amazing. This was my year seven classroom. And I kind of sat here and the lockers were over here because lockers were intriguing back in year seven. And um, I read these books and this is what happened in this classroom and all this sort of things where I had played handball. And he asked me the question, um, what was it like having blackboards in the olden days? And I'm like, I'm like, I was, I'm like, he, the next question I'm feeling it is going to be, did you write on a slate and did you drop your inkwell on the ground when you were at school? I'm thinking, mate, we had whiteboards. We were really fancy at our school. Um, but I really got in the zone telling him all about my classroom and my U7 experience and trying to relate. And I'm like, I got a little bit loose. And I started telling him things that you shouldn't tell your child so early. And I'm like, and I remember, Ollie, in this classroom, the day I got the cane. Now, before you go, (gasps) you know, my school was one of the last two schools in the state to get rid of the cane. So it was legal by about six months. And I got the cane for throwing a cool mint into the fan. And I'm not even going to go into that story too much. (laughs) And he's asking me all these questions. And then he stops and goes, Mum, what's a cool mint? (laughs) And so this thing just went on and on and on. Uh, And what it did for me, as well as going down memory lane with Year 7 and sharing some of the good and, and not so good things about Year 7 was, it took me back to a time where in those corridors of school, in that classroom, in my home, in my very humble life in the Sutherland Shire, um, of where God met me, right where I was. That God didn't take me out to somewhere foreign or some different place. God knew where my address was. He knew where I went to school. He knew what my struggles were. And He encountered me right where I was at, in the people that He brought, in the people that discipled me, in the people that loved me, in the provision He gave me. But He went even further and He showed up right where I was at, at school. And Dan Lockins went to this school. And so he's still stuck on the cane story. He probably has one of his own. Um, I remember God using me with the people in my school and my class right where I was at. I remember the time that God... um, just used me to lead one of my friends in year nine to Jesus. I remember the time when I prayed for a friend in year 10 to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. I remember the time in year 11 when my friend came to youth and got radically saved and filled with the Holy Spirit on the same night. I remember these stories and God using me right where I was at. And this story at core, in fact, these two stories, one of Andrew leading Peter to Jesus and the other, Philip, uh, leading Nathaniel to Jesus, are stories of people living in places, going about their ordinary life and being used by Jesus right where they are. Right where they are. One bringing a brother to Jesus straight after he encounters Jesus. One bringing a friend to Jesus. Um, And sometimes I think in reading these Bible stories, we actually miss how really relatable what's going on here is. That this could be Gaimir. This could be your high school. 
school. This could be your workplace and it could be you being Andrew leading someone to Jesus. It could be you uh, leading Nathaniel who's a bit cynical to know Jesus. The challenge, however, and by the way, when it comes to right here, right now, did you know, for example, that one time or another, a little, not so long ago, Katie Bennett, who wasn't Katie Bennett, was in Kelly Vites' life group, who wasn't Kelly Vites, and there was friends there that pointed to Jesus right where they were at and they pointed Katie to Jesus right where she was at and Katie came to know the love of God. Katie went on right where she was at to reach Alec and bring him to church and he becomes saved right where he's at and the rest is history. (laughs) Give him a hand, come on. (laughs) It's so good, it's so amazing. The problem though, the challenge with right where you are is sometimes it's harder. (laughs) Sometimes it's harder because the stakes are higher right where you are because people know you in your family. They know your history. Your friends know you. And if it doesn't work out the way you believe it will work out, God, what happens then? Like this is gonna be awkward or this is difficult or there's there's more at stake when it's right here, right now. You know, we've been singing this song, Send Me. um, And I've gotta say, every single time I sing a song about, it's really alluding to Isaiah 6 and there's another one about sending that is God, send me to the nations. Every time I sing that send me song, my hands are held high, my heart is sincere before God and I mean it with every fibre of my being. God, send me. But if I was to be honest with you about what is going on in my imagination at that time, I'm not imagining right here, right now. I'm actually imagining out there sometime. I'm imagining nations. I was singing the other week and I very cheekily whispered in my husband's ear, yes, send me to Paris. In fact, when we were dating, we were standing in Vaucluse looking at houses And I'm going, Andrew, I've just got this burning desire to reach souls for Jesus in the nations of the world. And he mocked me. What, send me, Lord, from my... I won't even go there. It's very judgmental. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) it can just be difficult where you're at right here, right now. And, And yet the Word of God says right here, right now is the place of God sending for you, your sports team, your cricket team, your school, your neighbourhood, the place of your work, the hairdresser you see right now, God has put the boundary lines of your life, it says, in pleasant places. And that is His sending of you. I wanna read you 1 Corinthians seven seventeen that says, don't be wishing you were someplace else, or with someone else, where you are right now is God's place for you. Live and obey, love and believe right there. 
So my question tonight, very, very quickly before we pray for some people tonight, I wanna pray for some people that really have some disappointment in this area. I want people that need a baptism of love tonight because you need it to bubble up. I wanna pray for some people tonight that you are stirred. You can sense God's presence. You can sense Jesus in this room. Don't know much about Him, but I wanna say yes to Him tonight. He changes lives. I wanna ask the question from this story, how does uncommon love work right where you are? I'm not talking, some may be sent to the mission field. We're gonna talk about that in March. (laughs) Um, But tonight we're talking about right where you are. And the first one is hang out with Jesus right where you are. John 1, 38 to 39 says, they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he replied, come along and see for yourself. And they came and they hung out with him all day. Can you imagine what it was like spending a day with Jesus face to face in in the living room of where He was staying. How loved would you feel? Some of you have got an emptiness of heart. You have holes in your heart right now that have come about. It's like, God, my heart feels like Swiss cheese. That's the imagery I get. Can you imagine hanging out with Jesus and having every hole in your heart filled up with His love? Can you imagine how seen they felt? Can you imagine how much fun they had? Like, I'm like, my imagination runs wild. I'm like, what if Andrew fluffed at the table? What if someone like, what if the food was off? Like, what if, this is, I I cannot begin to tell you the contents of what I'm thinking happened in that home that day. There's a bunch of guys in there hanging out, right? But they hung out, right? It's, obviously it's just me in the front row. (laughs) Anyway. I just think they would have walked away so full because they were loved by Jesus. You know, some of us need to start with hanging out with Jesus right here, right now. You know, it says to the church in Revelation, you know, you are wonderful. You have done everything I've asked you to do, but you lack this one thing. You've forgotten your first love. Come back to me. Let me love you. Do the things that you did at first. Worship me with abandon. Love me with abandon. Let me fill you with my love. Some of us need to hang out with Jesus right here, right now. Not guilt, not toxic obligation, not a whole bunch of works. It's gotta be out of the love that we first experience. I wanna ask a question to you. What if this year you let Him love you? What if this year you hung out with Him and opened your heart afresh to Him? I wonder if your heart would pop like the proverbial champagne bottle and bubble out with the love of God and suddenly telling your story doesn't become a discipline so much as God is just pouring out of me. Secondly, bring them to Jesus where you are. And if I could have the keys up, that would be amazing. John 1, 40 to 41 says, the first thing he did after finding where Jesus lived was find his own brother, Simon, telling him, we've found the Messiah, that is the Christ. He immediately led him to Jesus. You know, it's so interesting. I'd like to say it's the first thing and it's the only thing that he did to win his 
his brother to Jesus. You know, I feel like some of us feel like when we witness, the weight of the world is on us to change someone's life. And I would say tonight, the Holy Spirit's saying that is a very unhealthy way to approach this because all he did was point his brother to Jesus and Jesus got to do the rest. You know, um, that he, and it was fun. It was like, you've got to see this. You've got to see what I've seen. You've got to meet who I've met. My life has been changed by Him. It bubbled out of Him because He was full of the love of Jesus. But you know what He discovered in spiking the curiosity of His brother? He actually discovered um, that God was already on the case long before He was. It says, John 1, 48, one day long before Philip called you here, I saw you under the fig tree. You know, I had an experience like this. Um, one of my best friends in the world, I led to Jesus when we were in our senior years and I'd been praying for her for years and she came out of a very, very broken past, fatherless into all sorts of really oppressive sort of stuff in the home. And I'd been praying for her. And we went out with a bunch of people. We'd gone out sort of near her place and she said, oh, why don't you just bunk? It's late one night. Um, And we stayed at her house and she had bunk beds in her room. I stayed on the top bunk. She was on the bottom. Very, very late, maybe early hours of the morning. And the lights were off. Um, Time to go to bed. We're both absolutely smashed. And I could feel the Holy Spirit say, offer to pray for her. Offer to pray for her. Offer to pray for her now. And I remember going, no, it's weird. We're, we're tired, been out all night. I've been witnessing to her for a long time. Why now? And he's like, no, go now. Offer to pray for her. And I'm like, God, I feel really lame. I don't have the words. It doesn't feel powerful. There's no anointing here. All the excuses we can use. What if she says no and thinks, and I'm stuck with this situation. I'm staying in a room, you know. And I finally relented and I said to my friend, hey, um, are you still awake? Would you like me to pray for you? And you wouldn't believe it. She said, yes, 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 pray for me. So I climbed down from the top bunk. I sat on the edge of her bed. I'm thinking, this is so weird, (laughs) so awkward. And I would have prayed the lamest, feeblest, simplest prayer, bless me prayer over her and then went back to the top bunk and fell asleep. And several weeks later, I invited her and I'd invited her to church and youth a lot of times. And she comes to youth and um, she gets powerfully saved by the love of God and actually overcome by the Holy Spirit. And that's for another message. But she said to me when she got saved, you know, the turning point for me was yes, that altar call or that moment where I put my hand up or, but she goes, actually the real turning point for me was that night when you prayed for me. That's when I felt God. That's when it shifted for me. Because before she was there under the sound of my voice pointing into Jesus, Jesus already saw her. Jesus saw her before she was in her mother's womb. Jesus knew her need. Jesus knows the need of your mum and your dad and your friend and your neighbour long before. And in fact, if you're here tonight and you've come and you don't know Jesus Christ, 
He knows the depth of your need. And you, you're like, I just need a lucky break or I just need a bit more money or I just need more friends. And Jesus is saying, actually, your need is much deeper tonight, but I wanna meet that need. And I can meet it in an instant and I can take your hand and walk you to your destiny with Him. You'll never, ever be alone. You know, once He... Once Peter and once Nathaniel was with Jesus, they realised, once they pointed their friends, it was over to Jesus. And can I just say, the pressure is off you. The pressure is off you. Some of us are like, I have to be, I have to be the saviour to these friends and family. And Jesus is just saying, no, just invite them. Just point to me. Do you know, when I was at university, there was some research done And it said that people needed to hear about Jesus seven times before they said yes to Him on average, right? What if you're the seventh? What if you're the first? What if you're the third? You don't know what God is doing in the life of that person. You have no idea. And how freeing is that? To just get to live the fun adventure of pointing to Jesus. And finally, He will work in them where you're at. Because if you notice, once they came to Jesus, Nathaniel's cynicism is dealt with. Nathaniel, Jesus sees straight into his heart, calls him by name. And, and, you know, he is so wowed. And Jesus is like, I've got a whole destiny, mate. This is just page one for you. And Philip kind of had nothing to do with it. You might have something to do with it after. But Jesus is just saying, just for now, love uncommonly. Point to me. Do something kind, open their heart, issue an invitation to pray. Tonight, I really felt to minister for the next couple of minutes to a few groups. And the first is, I really feel like you need an encounter with the love of God right where you are for various reasons. And there's no judgment. Life just happens. And this has happened to me. But your love, maybe your love tank, I don't even wanna say your love has grown cold. Maybe you're an amazing person, disciplined of heart, but maybe your love tank is empty. And the very thought of sharing the love of Jesus to you is a hard prospect because it's like, God, I'm on, gosh, God, I'm feeling the sand at the end of the petrol tank in my love tank. Like I'm sucking the dust out of that thing. And I just feel like, God, I need the oxygen of Your love again. You know, we're gonna sing in a moment. In fact, the band can come up, you know, let this be an upper room. The upper room was the place of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And another name for Him, by the way, is Flame of Love. He will fill you with His love. When that Holy Spirit came in power on the day of Pentecost, He didn't ask them, God didn't ask them to do something they weren't empowered to do. That flame of love filled them with the power to be witnesses and He filled them with the love of God to they, they couldn't not speak about Him. They couldn't not die for Him. They filled They were filled with love. Maybe tonight right where you are is challenging and you're like, God, this is hell. You know, I I need a fresh revelation. I need your strength. You need the strength of God tonight, right where you are to be a witness for Jesus. It's a challenging workplace or whatever it is. And then others, 
You are, God is saying, it's family and friends. It's family and friends. Don't think beyond that right now. I want you to stand tonight for your brother, for your sister. You know, I have had a miracle in my family and I won't go into the details just to keep identity very, you know, kind of to protect privacy, but I've had a miracle in the area of my immediate family, of some, a family member coming back to Jesus after many years praying, radically delivered of addiction, radically, radically, spontaneously. Can I encourage you, don't give up praying for that mum, that dad, that brother, that sister, that friend. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.